And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. I know, it's a weird thing. It's Friday. And we are on the air. What's up with that? Just a reminder, for those of you who are still catching up, we are on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule for August to try to see if it'll help me manage my manage my workflow a little bit better, manage my time a little bit better. It kind of does a little bit. Until Google decides to lock me out of all of my workspace. I hate Google. I really, really, really do. The end of Section 230 cannot come fast enough, I'll tell you that. Um, Alright, so so yeah, we're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday for August. Just to see what's going on. We are broadcasting live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. Happy to have you all here with us. Uh, We're live to Odyssey, Facebook, and YouTube. And this show is available on a number of podcast platforms, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, uh, Amazon. So you can find us in various different places there if that's your preference. And, of course, we do welcome your feedback. You can jump in the chat. You can leave a comment. You can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And I do read every comment. I do read every email. And I got a question. Is, is, does, the, does the CDC even have any more credibility at all anymore? I, uh. Anyway, all right. So, yeah, Google... Google has been sending me emails of late basically saying, hey, your subscription to Workspace, Google Workspace, is about to expire. We need, a, we need to update your billing and update your, your, your account information and whatever. And I go into my Google Space, my Google account, and I don't see anything listed in the subscriptions that says that I'm subscribed to anything called Google Workspace. And Google's emails are not very clear at all as far as what exactly Google Workspace is. Well, it turns out that Google Workspace is all of the pieces where you can collaborate on documents and spreadsheets and file sharing and storage and everything that you need in order to be able to collaborate with the rest of your team. So I now don't have any access to all of the documents that we usually use to prepare for shows. So now we've got to completely rebuild everything because they're going to charge. You, you got they want money for it, of course. You know the free trial, the free 14-day trial that I didn't realize that I was in uh, has has now expired. So I need. Uh, well, what's the you know, $6 per user per month? So we're going to end up somewhere around $250, $260 a year just so everybody can have access to the stuff. So I'm looking for alternatives because, you know, limited resources and whatnot being what they are here, 
I don't have $250, $260 to spend every year for that. Unless somebody wants to be really, really, really generous with the Super Chat or something and, and, and send it to us. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's frustrating. It's very, very, very frustrating. So, anyway. <clears throat> all right. And it doesn't look like the chat widget is working very well. Let me see if I can get that thing going again. Sci-Fi <laughs> Snobs says, check is in the mail. I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I don't know. It's a... It, there are days. There are days. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say it that way. Uh, real quick reminder, speaking of, <clears throat> speaking of getting, getting everybody on board and supporting, we do have the TV.2 here on YouTube. Uh, looking for, uh, looking for uh, subscribers over there. Basically what we're doing is all of the live stuff that we do here, and any pre-recorded stuff, all of, the, all of that's going to live over there. Everything on the TV.2 is an upload. There's no live video over on the upload. And the, 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 the goal is to test how that affects the algorithm in terms of search and recommendations, all of this stuff. Because I keep seeing all this back and forth, because YouTube is a Google product, all of this stuff being uh, the hybrid channels like ours with live and recorded stuff, apparently the algorithm doesn't like it as much. It's not as friendly in terms of search results and, and recommendations and here's, here's what you can watch next type thing. So we're going to try this. I'm going to see what happens with the TV.2. It might, it might not do anything. It may not go anywhere. you got 13 subscribers over there. We're just over 2,100 on our main YouTube channel. We had 193 over on Odyssey. So we're crawling forward on our way. But, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. So we'll see. Uh, good to see Dave in the chat. And uh, it's Sci-Fi Snob and Keely. Good to see you there as well. All right, so... Uh, so, uh, yesterday, <sighs> yesterday we got the Warner Brothers Discovery call, the financial, the second quarter financial call, and we talked a little bit on Wednesday about, uh, what the expectations were going to be for this thing, because on Wednesday we were talking about the cancellation of Batgirl, uh, Culture Casino was on, and we were talking a little bit about that, plus, you know, the cancellation of the Scoob sequel. And you had a number of different things that were that were being canceled or rumored to be canceled. The The Supergirl project with Sasha Kali uh, looks like it's not going to be moving forward. And there was speculation on The Flash and all, all of these different things about what what's, what's Warner Brothers going to do next. Well, we found out yesterday. <clears throat> Warner Brothers and, and, and Discovery, Warner Brothers Discovery is changing their entire strategy, basically, from what AT&T and Jason Kalar and that bunch did. And it's really interesting to see the trades, the Hollywood types, all lose their minds over this stuff. I mean, they are, they are having kittens. As, as they say. Um, 
something about bricks, some of them. It's it's crazy. Hello, Mazerus. Good to see you there. <clears throat> Mazerus would love to have kittens. Kittens can be... I saw... Wait a minute. Um, Mrs. Boss left the studio. There was a something um, that I saw yesterday. Something about cats and... and Oh, oh, it was a it was a story about a cat who prevented a burglary. Uh, apparently there was this there was this person, uh, the cat woke him up in the middle of the night yelling and, and scratching and, and saying, hey, 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 wake up, wake up, wake up. Turns out uh, there was uh, there were some visitors on the property who weren't supposed to be there. One of them was armed. One of them had a crowbar and they were getting ready. Uh, to uh, to break in, and the cat woke up the owner, and there was there was fortunately not any kind of a confrontation. So, on occasion, cats can be useful. <clears throat> I've had cats. I've had dogs. I like dogs better myself, but uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with cats. Cats can be very cute when they're kittens, and and then they're cats, and they're not cute anymore. All right, so. So Warner Brothers Discovery. So we're talking about Batgirl on Wednesday. It gets canceled. Scoob gets canceled. People are just blowing a gasket over this thing. And then we had the second quarter earnings call yesterday. Now, we also had the Paramount report that came out yesterday morning. But nobody's talking about Paramount. Because everybody's talking about Warner Brothers Discovery. Three things happened. Besides the call, you had also, you know, you had the cancellation of Batgirl, but you also had Lady Gaga posting over on Instagram the the first teaser for the sequel to The Joker with her and Joaquin Phoenix. And this is our first official confirmation that she's in the movie and it looks like she's playing Harley Quinn. So... So those kind of things are going into this call. We have Batgirl and, and Joker 2, right? And as we're getting into this, of course, everybody's speculating why it happened. Why did it happen? Why did it happen? We get the reports that it was, a, it was a tax write-off more than anything else because there is a window, there's a certain amount of time from the, from the merger, from the close of the merger... Uh, to a certain particular time when they can write off expenses from the previous regime. So what they've been what they're calling legacy Warner Media. And legacy Warner Media spent a bunch of money and legacy Warner Media had 43 billion dollars of debt that Warner Brothers Discovery is now having to deal with. So uh, it's, it's one of those things where now we have to cut costs. We have to figure out how do, we, how do we minimize what this stuff is going to cost us and maximize our profit. And it is, uh, it is an interesting strategy because they've sat there and said what Jason Kalar's bunch was going to do, we're not going to do. And it's, and it's interesting to hear them say. I want to play a clip from the call. This is J.B. Perrette, who's the CEO and president of Global, Stream, Global Streaming and Games, 
Uh, this is a this is about about 18 minutes into the call. The call total was a, an hour and a half. We're not going to go through all of it, but I'm going to do different pieces of it so you can hear what they have to say, because it does get interesting here. This is uh, this is JB Perret. Over the last almost 120 days, I've had a chance to spend time with this incredibly talented team, take a closer look at both products and their technology, better understand our proficiencies, as well as areas where there's need for further development, and dig in on what consumers are saying about the two services. We have a lot of work to do, but these first few months have only strengthened our belief in the significant opportunity ahead of us, and I'm excited to share with you some initial thoughts on our strategy and roadmap. First, a bit of context. For decades, our industry has embraced changing technology and consumer demand by evolving a very successful windowing approach to exploiting content. However, in recent years, a strategy has emerged that suggests the video business will be better off collapsing all windows into streaming. So basically what he's saying is all of this time, all of this time and all of the time we've been making movies and everything, there there have been these things. And he's right. The windowing, what he's talking about, is if you go into the movie, you go to the movie theater, you go see the movie. Back in the day, those of us who are of an age, you'll remember uh, when, when the movie hit the theaters, it was in the theaters for several, several weeks, months even. And then it went away. And then it showed up. <clears throat> Well, before cable, then it showed up maybe on broadcast TV. And then when cable came in, you had premium cable, things like HBO Showtime, or then you had regular cable, the, the, the you know, Sci-Fi Channel and, and USA Network and that, that tier of things. So the way the rollout would work, you'd have the movie hit the theater, you'd have the movie then go away from the theater and then it would go to premium cable then it'd go to regular cable and then it hit broadcast network maybe on abc or cps someplace and then it go to home video whether it's a vhs tape or dvd or or whatnot and now you add streaming to that mix you have the theater and then you have the streaming and the digital downloads and all that other stuff and basically what he's saying here <clears throat> is that for the longest time everybody used that other window until it became this thing where everybody's now got to go to streaming. Streaming, 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 streaming. You make all of this stuff, you make all of these movies and TV shows, and, it's, and, it, and, and the only consideration is where it's going to stream. Peacock, Disney+, Plus, Paramount+, Plus, uh, HBO Max, wherever, right? Overpaying for and over-investing in content and offering it all at the same time for a low price. We don't believe in this strategy. <laughs> there it is. He's, they've completely rejected this plan. They've completely rejected what Jason Kalar was doing, because you remember when Kalar was, was there in charge, they had this thing called Project Popcorn, where the, this, is, this is what got Warner Brothers all of this flack, because they decided to do what they call day and date, which means the day we, the day we do a release in theaters, the same date will release it on streaming. We, we saw that with all of the different Warner Brothers stuff. And you remember, Christopher Nolan left Warner Brothers over this. He was so disgusted with that plan, he ended up doing his next picture over at Universal. Because day and date hurts the theatrical window, and it, 
it does harm to the marketing of your of your movie. And if you're going to make a movie, you make a movie to be up in the movie theater, right? Except Kalar and AT&T and that bunch decided, well, we're going to put everything in. And of course, there's the pandemic and there's the lockdown and you got to make adjustments off of that. And I get that. But <clears throat> if you're going to do this strategy where everything that you do is going straight to your streaming service, you're going to lose money because how many $150, $200 million movies ended up on the streaming channel <coughs> and didn't get the window, uh, the theatrical window that it needed in order to make its money back? Now, remember, if you look at it, and we've talked about this in a couple of places, and Culture Casino's talked about it, the ratio, when you look at how much money that you have to make at the box office in order to break even, the number is you figure your you've got your production budget, which is the amount of money that it takes to make the movie. All right, you pay your cast, you pay your crew, you do all your post production, you do all your special effects, all of the editing and all the music and everything else. All of the money that it takes to make the film and it's finished and done and ready to go out. Then you have what's called PNA, promotions and advertising. Where, where you have, or M&A, marketing and advertising, you have your advertising expenses, you have your press junkets, you have your press releases, you have your marketing team, you have all your social media, all your advertising spends, everything that you have to do in order to promote your movie. And generally, <clears throat> you're looking at spending about as much to promote the film as you do to make the film. And then you have the split with the theater company, the theater owners, and the theater owners are now in a position where they can kind of dictate terms a little bit because the movie theater, the movie studios need the theaters more than the theaters need the studios at this point. Because the theaters made adjustments. Okay, we can we can rent our space out. We can we can do the you know, we can do the fathom events things and all that. They can make some adjustments. But the movie studios have to go into the theaters sort of some and and the studios are starting to realize that this day and date thing doesn't make them as much money as it needs to so the movie theaters have their their cut and and the way it works is 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 a percentage goes to the theater house that goes to the house the gate and a percentage goes to the studio and the longer the movie is in the theater the different the mix starts to shift and the movie theater starts to make more and the studio makes less. And the ratio changes <clears throat> the ratio changes the longer the movie is in the theaters. You're still making money, but it, it you know, the balance the balance between who gets what between the studio and theater changes the longer the movie is out. But the studio is still making money. And going to streaming, all of this stuff. Perrette's sitting there saying, we're not going to go off of this model anymore because, you know, movies and TV, they're completely different things and movies need to be enjoyed in the movie theater. And <clears throat> Zaslav says in this call, we want to maximize profit for everything that we make. And he's coming at it from the standpoint of theater is first. Theatrical release windows will come first. We're making our stuff, at least on the movie side, 
We're making our stuff for theatrical and then everything else after that comes after that in order to maximize the amount of money that we can make on this one thing. He's talking about repurposing and and this is what Perrette's talking about. While we intend for streaming to be a critical part of our company and a key driver of our growth as consumers continue to shift their viewing habits from linear to nonlinear, it's only one part of our diversified approach. The focus of our streaming strategy is consumer choice. We believe there are multiple global consumer segments in streaming. All right, so I'm going to skip. I'm going to skip through some of this because I'm, I'm wanting to get to the other part. Uh, because oh well, here's here's a piece. I'm not going to play this, but here's a piece. This is a slide that popped up on the show. <clears throat> was talking about the audience tendencies because they are confirming in this call that HBO Max and Discovery Plus are going to merge. There's going to be one uh, one streaming service that takes both of these things. It takes the technology of one, the programming of both, mixes it all together, and it's going to start rolling out starting in 2023. They don't have a name for it. And, I, and I'm trying to get the hashtag going here. If they don't call this thing Disco Max, I'm going to be very disappointed. So get out there on your on your on your social medias, and and let's let's get a trend going with hashtag Disco Max because that's that's what this thing needs to be called. It just it just it's it it sells itself, right? <clears throat> but people are losing their minds over this particular slide, which shows that HBO Max, the audience for HBO Max, skews more toward the male demographic and discovery plus skews more toward the female demographic and you've got all sorts of people clutching their pearls what do you mean hbo max is for the boys and just oh the hot takes over this slide okay <clears throat> Let's all take a breath. Let me explain something to you. Because I have worked in network television. I've worked for a network affiliate. I understand what they're looking at. Because when the CW got started, for those of you who don't remember, the, there were two networks that were fledgling uh, several years ago. You had the UPN network, which was Paramount's television network, and then you had the WB, which was Warner Brothers network, and they eventually merged into the CW. Paramount owned a piece of it, and uh, uh, Warner Brothers, Time Warner, owned a piece of it. And the difference between lean in and lean back on this graphic, I'll get to that in just a second, because that's, that's another, that's not as troublesome on this stuff. But uh, that's the that's the the next part of this. But one of the things when the CW got started, there were a lot of angsty, soapy type of shows. You know, Dawson's Creek and and uh, what was that one? Felicity. You know, with with uh, with what's her name in it? Huh? With the haircuts. With the haircuts. Yeah. Okay. So you had those things, right? And the networks 
track their audience data and they have all they have access to all sorts of different pieces of information surveys and marketing reports and nielsen data and little boxes that are sit on top of your on your table and and all of these all of these different ways that they can measure who's watching their shows that's how they that's how they decide how much to charge for their advertising right and one of the things that came out of the cw data that a lot of people were surprised at was the demographic shift in the audience. They, they were targeting a female demographic with their programs. And they were trying to get the 18 to 24 de demographic because if you get them early, you set, you set up brand loyalty. They start to watch your, your shows and they'll watch your shows. For, they'll buy your product for years, right? But what surprised them was it not only were they attracting the female 18 to 24 demographic, but they were also attracting the female 54 and up demographic because women were watching these shows with their moms. And they didn't have any idea that this was going to happen. But the data showed that that's who, their, that's who was attracted to their programming. These networks and these studios have all sorts of information from Nielsen, from Arbitron, from, from various different places that tell them who's watching their shows, who's watching their programs. And this card right here where it says that HBO Max has a male skew and Discovery Plus has a female skew basically is a very distilled shorthand piece that says... More men are watching HBO Max and more women are watching Discovery Plus for the reality stuff, for the unscripted, whatever. You know, Naked and Afraid and the 90 Day Fiance and whatever other stuff. It, are real, where's the Real Housewives? I don't know where Real Housewives lives, but those kinds of shows, women tend, I guess, women generally tend to watch that stuff more than men do. I guess that that's that's my that's my takeaway from this from this graphic. But you have all sorts of people. Oh, bravo. Thank you, Dave. But you have all sorts of people that are just squealing like pigs because, well, I'm a female and I watch HBO Max. This card doesn't say that only men watch HBO Max. And it lists the differences in the two different networks as complementary to each other because HBO Max is primarily scripted material. It's narrative. We're telling the story. Hollywood narrative. Here's the stuff like movies and TV like you normally get. The unscripted stuff, the reality shows, the educational programs, the factual programs, the Shark Week type stuff, all of that's on Discovery+. Plus. Well, you can take those two and you put them together. The lean in versus the lean back on this graphic is basically you've got uh, the lean back is if I remember how they how they explain how they explained it the the lean in is people who are who are more engaged in watching whereas the lean back you can leave it on and you can listen to it as you're doing other things I think is is as how I understood them to explain it that's that I'm paraphrasing there and you know HBO Max appointment viewing discovery plus comfort viewing so you can watch it whenever and and you can get there and then the appointment viewing is you know this show this show drops on Wednesday I'm going to watch it on Wednesday right 
And of course, everybody's like, what's this genre dumbs thing? <clears throat> HBO Max is the home of fandoms. Discovery Plus is the home of genre dumbs. And it's a new it's a new term and it's dumb, but it's themes. You know, it, you like Shark Week and anything that has anything to do with Shark Week or 90 day, whatever 90 Day Fiance is. I don't know what that is. Fandoms is just, you know, we know all about fandoms, don't we? <clears throat> yeah, the lean the lean back is is, you know, you watch it whenever and it's, you know, it's on. I don't have to I don't have to be glued to the TV in order to pay attention to all of it, right? So there's there's those things. And people and are sure just losing their minds. So then we get into all of the financials. I'm not going to go through any of the, any any of this stuff, but uh, it is it is notable that in this call they uh, they make a note that uh, they expect to be able to write down six billion of their forty three billion dollar debt. Now that is billion with a B. That's a Carl Sagan billion. This is the debt that they brought on board when they merged these companies. This is not debt that Discovery created. This is debt that AT&T created. AT&T Time Warner. Or AT&T Warner Media. Whatever it was when they, when they merged. So now, David Zaslav and his group have to, have to service this $43 billion in debt. And they got to find ways to cut costs and, and maximize their profits and get get some of this stuff out out of of their of their books. And the way they're strategizing and planning, they should be able to to get rid of six billion of that by, I think, 2024 is what they were saying. But then they get into. The Q&A. And that's where it gets a little interesting, especially for those who are who are interested in uh, the DC stuff. But I do want to point out to one one spot here before we get into the before we get into that. I do want to show you one slide that came up uh, in the middle of Perrette's uh, presentation of this, uh, demonstrating out the. Um, the breakdown of their different uh, their different divisions, <clears throat> right? I need to find it. Where is it? Because David Zaslav gives his gives his uh, opening speech, and everything, of course, is scripted on this. Where is that? I gotta scrub through and. And I got to do it. I got to do it off offline here because I can't. I can't just play it because I don't want to get hit with. I don't want to get hit with a with a bunch of uh, copyright dings here or something. Let me let me look because I know I, I I got a basic idea where it is, but it's not where I thought it was. So let me look. Oh, let me let me do it this way. I'll let me do it this way. There's another, there's another sheet right here. Okay, so this is, this is the PDF that came with it. Um, and 
in the studio segment portion of the report, there is a there's a banner across the top. Let me zoom in here because I, w I want you to take a look here and see what they what they've got here. They've got uh, Warner Brothers, which you know Warner Brothers Pictures. You have Warner Brothers Television Group. There's Warner Brothers Games, Warner Brothers Animation, New Line Cinema. New Line is responsible for Shazam and and that group. But here, interestingly is another studio division that's shown up here, DC. Thus giving us confirmation officially, and they didn't say we're setting up DC Studios, but the fact that they've got DC listed as a studio division gives us confirmation essentially that uh, DC Studios is going to have its own setup very similar to the way Marvel Studios is set up over at Disney. And... Zaslav has confirmed that with Alan Horn coming on board as a consultant, their plan, they have a, well, I'm going to let him tell you that because I don't want to spoil it. We'll, we'll get to the, uh, let me, let me take a break here real quick. Let me find that because it's the very first question out in the Q&A of what's going on with DC. So we will take a real quick break. We'll be back with that right after this. Stand by. We are Vengeance. We are the night. We are sci-fi for me. <laughs> a little bit of an experiment here this morning trying to make all of this work, so bear with us for a minute. It's a work in progress. Since 2019, Sci-Fi for Me has been bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Science fiction, fantasy, and horror have been on our radar from the beginning. News, rumors, we bring you the latest with our team coverage. Streaming original content every week. Good Morning Multiverse, live on Sci-Fi For Me TV, delivering the multiverse since 2009. It's like, what? okay, hold on, you've got somebody, and all he does is put on some glasses and slicks back his hair, and nobody knows who he is, nobody recognizes him. It's, 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 it's like that, that, uh, that scene in, in the Green Lantern movie, where she looks at him, and it's like, how? You know, like, you just put on a mask and you expect me not to recognize you? The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Broadcasting from a device built by a teenage genius using leftover parts from an erector set, this is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here along with all of you. And it's good to have everybody here. It's, it's, really, it's really nice to see the repeat customers. Because, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a sign that we're kind of maybe doing a couple of things right every now and again. I don't know. Especially given the fact that we're on Friday and this is not a normal day for us. But, uh, but yeah, a reminder that through August we are going to be doing a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule just to see how it is. Just to see if it helps with the with the planning and the management and all that that other good stuff. All right, so we are talking about the Warner Brothers Discovery earnings call, second quarter earnings call that was yesterday. On the call, you had David Zaslav, who's the CEO of Warner Warner Media, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. You got J.B. Perret, who's the CEO and president of Global Streaming and Games. You've got Gunnar Wiedenfels, who's the chief financial officer. 
and Andrew Slaben, who's the executive vice president of Global Investor Strategy. And Gun Gunner talks a little bit, Andrew talks a little bit, but J.B. Perrett and, and David Zasla fielded a lot of the a lot of the questions. And so this is the Q and A after they do all of their presentation. This is the Q and A, and this is the first question out of the gate is from somebody now. A lot of people that are on this call, mo most of the people on this call are investors. They're bankers, they're in you know, they're stockbrokers, they're people who have money invested in the company. And so they they get to ask the questions. Now this first question comes from from a representative at Deutsche Bank and it is interesting that uh, that it's the very first question. Not surprising. But the answer to this question is very, uh, very telling here. Hi, good afternoon. Let's ask two if I could. I guess uh, first, David, there's a lot of reporting in the press about film dates being delayed and, of course, the canceling of Batgirl. There it is. Um, I think first that first question out of the gate. Can you just talk about the for the decision to cancel Batgirl? And was it an issue? And what's happening more broadly Warner Brothers film business changes you might be making and, and particularly the direction you're taking with the DC universe. And then just had one for JB on the fast product. Is the intent, is the intent there? To now that, that question there is talking about the rollout for, for all of the stuff, because there's a question on how that, how that, uh, how that programming is going to get to places where they don't have either discovery plus or, or HBO max. A lot of them go through sky uh, as as part of that, um, so they're figuring out that part of the rollout, and that was what that other part of the question is. But here's David Zaslav answering the piece about Batgirl and and uh, DC. Great, thanks, Brian. Um, well, let me start with uh, the fact that the Warner Brothers Motion Picture Group has fantastic IP and gr a great history, as you know, where they're turning a hundred and. Between DC, the animation group, uh, together with the, the entire Warner Library, um, our ambition is to bring Warner back and to produce great, high-quality films. Now, when he's saying bring Warner back, he's, he's probably of the, of the opinion. Now, remember, when Zaslav took over and came in as CEO, he's got an office on the lot, and he did, uh, basically, he did a, 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 a a tour and talk to a bunch of people about a bunch of different things to try to get his hands wrapped around what he's got here with Warner Brothers uh, as as part of this new thing. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What do we need to change? What do we need to adjust? What do we need to keep same? All all of these he did basically this fact finding tour for for a number of weeks, having a lot of different conversations, and what he's looking at is that there's a little bit of tarnish on the Warner Brothers brand at this point. When he's saying we need to bring Warner Brothers back, he's looking at it as, you know, Warner Brothers has this great history, and we need to be capitalizing on that. I'm breaking, I'm breaking this stuff up again so I don't, I don't get copyright dinged. As we look at the opportunities that we have broadly, D.C. is, is one of the top of the list for us. Um, we, you look at Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Um, these are brands that are known everywhere in the world. 
and the ability to drive those all over the world with great story is a big opportunity for us. We have done a reset. We've restructured the business. Where we all right, so he just said we have done a reset. This is his first acknowledgement that there are big changes that are in play here. The Batgirl cancellation is part of that. The Supergirl cancellation is part of that. I think some of the different cancellations of the different shows that we saw on the CW before the CW gets sold to Nexstar, that was part of it. They are making some changes. And Ben Affleck back as Batman for Aquaman 2 is part of that as well. And there are other things brewing. Where we're going to focus, where there will be a team with a 10-year plan focusing just on D.C. It's very similar to the structure that Alan Horn and and Bob Iger put together very effectively with Kevin Feige at uh, Disney. All right, so there it is, folks. A 10-year plan for the DC films. We're basically starting from scratch-ish. I mean, the the Aquaman movie is moving forward. There's still That's still in production. That hasn't been canceled yet. Flash hasn't been canceled yet. Black Adam, Shazam, we got those. No word on Blue Beetle. But when Alan Horn was brought on board as a consultant, a lot of us were speculating that one of the things that he was going to be handed is DC. Not necessarily that he's going to be in charge of it, but Michael DeLuca and Pam Abney are the ones who are going to be dealing with all of this stuff. They're the interim Warner Brothers Studio chiefs. And Alan Horn has been brought on board to consult with them to, to get Warner Brothers back up to where it was. Now remember... Before Alan Horn was at Disney, he was at Warner Brothers. He was their chief uh, operating officer, I believe, before he got fired. And then he went over to Disney, and now he's back over at Warner Brothers in a consultant role. And he's even admitted, he says, I'm just here to offer advice. I'm here to answer questions, to help people kind of get the ball rolling. I'm not going to be in charge of everything, but he did acknowledge because one interview, the third question that they asked was whether or not he was going to have anything to do with D.C. And he did say, yes, I expect to be involved in that. So now here we've got yes, another another acknowledgement that Alan Horn's going to be involved in developing this 10-year plan for D.C. film. So I would expect that he's going to be high up there, maybe not the one put in charge of D.C. Studios, but he's going to be very, very hands-on, I would expect. We think that we could build a, a long-term, much stronger, sustainable growth business out of D.C. And as part of that, we're going to focus on quality. We're not going to release any film before it's ready. We're not going to release a film to make a quarter. We're not going to release a film under... The focus is going to be how do we make each of these films, in general, as good as possible. But D.C., is something that we think we could make better, and we're focused on it now. Now, that says a lot about what DC has done before and what the current uh, occupants of the of the carpeted offices think about what's come before as far as the Snyderverse, the DCEU in general, all of the stuff that Ann Starnoff, Walter Hamada. I mean, Walter Hamada is on his way out. Now, we've got a, we've got a thing here. Let me pull this up real quick because the reaction to to what was going on with Batgirl, we've got uh, we've got this article from IGN. DC Films president was reportedly on the brink of quitting over the Batgirl cancellation. Walter Hamada apparently 
uh, was ready to quit. Uh, and he's on his way out anyway, but he was ready to walk out. He's agreed to stay with the studio until the October 21st release of Black Adam. According to Hollywood Reporter sources, Hamada was only informed of Batgirl being shelved at a test screening of Black Adam and was upset at not having been consulted. He was also reportedly concerned about the impact of the unexpected news on the cast and crew of the movie. And that's understandable. I mean, people are working on this thing. They're very creative. They put all their effort into it. They want it to be as good as it can be. They, they do their best. And you want to see the results of your work. You want people to appreciate that. Now nobody's going to get a chance to see any of it ever at, at all. Ever. It's gone. Batgirl does not exist now. Hamada, uh, this is from the article, Hamada apparently consulted with counsel around quitting, but has been convinced to stay on until Dwayne Johnson's first DC movie is released. So this is just, this is just an inkling. This is just a glimpse into the reactions that people have had over the cancellation of Batgirl. We talked about it a little bit on, on Wednesday, but the fact that everybody, Everybody who is upset over Warner Brothers canceling uh, canceling Batgirl have focused on the the identity, the gender politics, the 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 racial aspects, the representation part of it. Nobody is talking about what kind of story that movie was telling, or if that movie was telling a good story or not. All they're talking about is Latina lead. And 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 Muslim directors and a transgender actor playing a transgender character and LGBTQ and and all of this stuff. Nobody's talking about the story. Nobody's talking about whether or not the story had any kind of value. All they're talking about is skin and plumbing. And that's to me that is absolutely ridiculous and sci-fi snob you're right they should have tried harder and made a good movie that that's and that's to zaslav's point we're not going to put anything out that we don't believe in uh here's here is uh here is an article this is from puck this is my uh uh, uh baloney uh saying david says batgirl the headline batgirl died for our sins <clears throat> David Zaslav's controversial and cold-hearted decision to kill off the movie for a tax credit isn't simply the fault of the filmmakers of Jason Klar, the herky-jerky voyage of Warner Brothers. It's on Hollywood as a whole for worrying about being left behind by Netflix. And it, to, to a certain extent, that's right. Everybody's been so focused on streaming, streaming, streaming that you've lost sight of what Hollywood is about. Hollywood is about going to the movies. <clears throat> uh, from the article an email came in yesterday from a TV writer quote you should know that on multiple writer text chains people are calling him Zaslav the Butcher I, I think I think the Legion of Memes should probably uh, make hay with that this person was referring, of course, to David Zaslav, the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO, who in less than four months atop HBO Max, Warner Brothers, and all those cable channels, has quickly become known for his slash-and-bash strategy. Scripted shows on TBS and TNT, gone. Kid stuff and animation on HBO Max, disappearing. CNN Plus, RIP Plus. And that was before he started reshaping the Warner Brothers movie studio. 
Hence this Batgirl situation. Is there a greater indignity for a filmmaker than a studio telling you would rather take a tax deduction than release your $90 million movie? Now, I have seen $90 million, I've seen $70 million, I've seen $80 million, I've seen $100 million. Does anybody know how much it actually costs to make this movie? Because... And nobody seems to know how much this movie actually costs. <clears throat> uh, da, 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 da. It's not just that co-directors Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falao had nearly finished the film or that it was based on DC characters, Warner's most prized IP. Of course, you wouldn't know it from the way that Warner's treats it. This is a freaking Batman movie featuring the OG Dark Knight Michael Keaton. Can you imagine if Disney CEO Bob Chapek just scrapped a nearly finished Marvel film? Bedlam. Chapek and his new beard would be beaten to a pulp by crazed fans with Thor hammers. Actually, probably not. Because there are fans who are complaining about Phase 4 being dull, boring, uninspired. If Chapek had canceled Thor Love and Thunder, I don't think anybody really would have lost a whole lot of sleep over it. This is how out of touch the Hollywood trades are with fans, with the general public, with the with the ticket buying audience. Uh <clears throat> the Batgirl test screening scores were lower than recent DC fair, I'm told, and I talked to someone who attended a screening and this is this is this is fun, sort of, depending on your point of view. Listen to this here. I talked to someone who attended a screening and said it played like a CW pilot. Ouch. Low stakes, thin characters, light action, and a twisty, convoluted plot. When viewers were asked after the screening if the movie felt big, Warner's effort to discern whether it could justify the elevated budget by releasing it theatrically, they emphatically responded no, according to this source, meaning no amount of reshoots or CGI would polish uh, this into a theatrical diamond. So, you have the test scores. Now, we had heard that, you know, what was, what was it that the New York Post called it? Irredeemable. Right? This, this was a movie that could not be saved no matter how much money you put into it. So, they take, they take the tax write-off. They, they're going to they're gonna take the loss on the 70 to 80 to 90 to 100 million dollars, whatever it ends up is. Right? And it's not just Batgirl. It's Scoob, whatever the, the, the animated sequel to, to Scoob. That one got canceled. Uh, Supergirl was in pre-production. The Sasha Kelly uh, version of Supergirl, that was in pre-production. That's been scrapped. Um, there's been some other stuff. How, the uh, House Party remake. Several, several shows have been canceled. And, 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 and things, things are quietly resetting. But then you have this, this whole, whole rigmarole of, uh, you know, my representation and my diversity and, and what... Nobody's talking about the story except David Zaslav. David Zaslav is sitting there saying, we're not going to put out garbage. We're not going to put out a story that doesn't entertain. We're not going to put out something that's low quality. And really, if your test, if your test audience is sitting there saying, this movie plays out like a, like a CW show, 
That's not saying a lot. That's not very high praise at all. Which CW show does it compare to the most? Third season of Arrow? Because third season of Arrow was pretty good. But if you're comparing it to any season of Batwoman, you're in trouble. Right? It, you know, it's, it's a matter of degree here. What do you do? Now, the other part of this is that Batgirl... Now, this is convoluted because the original schedule for the, all of the releases and everything before pandemic, before COVID, before monkeypox, or whatever, whatever, the, whatever the, the, the panic order of the day is, <coughs> you had The Flash was supposed to come out first and set up the, the, the Flashpoint and split out all of the multiverse and that was going to give us Michael Keaton's Batman and Ben Affleck's Batman was going to die and go away. Blah, blah, blah. We get this new Supergirl. Superman's dead. And all of this, all of this new stuff, right? Batgirl in the timeline, in the original timeline, Batgirl and the Supergirl pro, uh, film were going to be coming out after that. Aquaman 2 was going to be after that. Michael Keaton was going to be Batman in Aquaman 2. Now he's not. This goes back to Ben Affleck showing up and been confirmed to be shooting stuff for Aquaman 2. They are reshooting still for Aquaman 2. And more than likely, what that's going to involve is Michael Keaton being replaced by Ben Affleck as Batman because... We're still in that universe. That that Batfleck has not been killed yet. And because you don't have any story justification. Because the Flash hasn't come out yet. You don't have the multiverse yet. Right? Because it's all happening backwards. It's all rolling out. It's all rolling out in the wrong in the wrong sequence of, of its wrong order. <coughs> so you can't you can't explain Michael Keaton's Batman suddenly showing up without having the multiverse that you get from Flashpoint, which is in a movie that hasn't come out yet. So they're reshooting Aquaman 2, pieces of that, to have Ben Affleck come in and replace Michael Keaton as Batman. Rumor is also that they're going to be replacing Amber Heard, possibly with Amelia Clark, although that hasn't been confirmed yet. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of he said, she said. Nobody knows for sure. If that's the case, they're either going to reduce her role to as, as little as possible with Amber Heard, or they're replacing her with Amelia Clark. We don't know for certain yet. <coughs> so we got that. Then we have Blue Beetle, which is still sitting out there and nobody knows anything about it. And I think I, I need to... Can you... Do you have a minute? Can you look up Blue Beetle on IMDb and see if that's a new line? Because I think that's a new line cinema production, which means new line is doing Shazam and, and that that set so it's kind of separate and apart from the Snyderverse and then we have the Flash um, we have some great DC films coming up Black Adam uh, Shazam and Flash and we're working on all of those we're very now this is key I want you to listen to this because he just said Black Adam Shazam Flash but DC is something that we think we could make better, and we're focused on it now. 
Um, we have some great DC films coming up, Black Adam, uh, Shazam and Flash. And we're working on all of those. We're very excited about them. Um, we've seen them. We think they're terrific, and we think we could make them even better. And that's what Mike and Pam and the team are doing. Now, key to that, I want you, I want you to key on, on this, we can make them better. What does that mean? It can mean all sorts of things. But let me spitball here for a second. What if, what if the tax write-down they take, the loss, the hit they take from Batgirl, we're not going to, we're not going to take that, we're not going to release it, so that frees up whatever money that they were going to spend. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a trade-off. You know, maybe that 70, 80, 90 million, whatever, now instead of spending money like that to make Batgirl presentable, we're going to take that money and now we're going to spend it on Aquaman 2 and The Flash to make sure that it's going to be, make you know, we get it as, as good as they can. Now, working to make them better, that could be a code. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're terrible. And, and, and Snob, I, I know you're saying there, you know, if they were that great, they wouldn't need to make them better. But if they have to make them better because they've got to get rid of Amber Heard and now they have to fix the Batman thing because the wrong Batman's in there, and if they have to make the Flash better by replacing Ezra Miller, that could be what making them better means. Maybe. But $200, $250 million on the Flash is a whole lot more investment than $70 million, $80 million, $90 million on Batgirl. Uh, and focusing on that. Um, strategically, we've looked hard at the, at the director streaming business. We've seen, luckily, by having access now to all the data, how director streaming movies perform. And our conclusion is that expensive direct-to-streaming movies, in terms of how people are consuming them on the platform, how often people go there or buy it or buy a service for it, and how it gets nourished over time, uh, is no comparison to what happens when you launch a film. In the so he's, he's getting ready. He's, he's making the case here, and I, I know I'm running long, so I'm not going to get into all of this. But he's basically making the case here that theatrical is the big thing nothing compares in all of the data that they've seen nothing compares to launching a film in the theaters motion picks in in the theaters and so this idea of expensive films going direct to streaming we cannot find an economic case for it we can't find an economic value for it and so we're making a strategic shift uh, as part of that um, We've been out in the town talking about our commitment to the theatrical uh, exhibition and the theatrical window. A number of movies will be launched with shorter windows. Some might have different kinds of marketing campaigns where we take advantage of us having the biggest platform and a platform that all motion picture companies look for. But we'll always be agile. Our focus will be on theatrical. And when we bring the theatrical films to HBO Max, we find they have substantially more value. And we have an ecosystem where we can have the premier motion picture business, 
That's why most people moved to Hollywood. That's why most people got in this business, to be on the big screen when the lights went out, and that is the magic. And the economic model is much stronger. And the other thing is that we're going to focus very hard on quality. I said we're not going to launch a go. movie until it's ready. Here we go. We're not going to launch a movie to make a quarter. And we're not, we are not going to release a movie, uh, and we're not going to put a movie out unless we believe in it. Now, that is vague, but it hints at some changes, some changes in the flash. And that's it. I mean, and particularly with DC. This is important here. We want to pivot, and we want to elevate, and we want to focus. And Brian on fast. The other, the other part of this, and, and where he gets into DC, there's, there's another thing that that Zaslav makes a point about with regard to DC. He says that DC is one of their primary brands, one of their most important brands, and they have a responsibility not only to present, you know, good stories, good quality stories, but they have a responsibility to protect the brand. Now, he's talking specifically in terms of the film and TV side of things, but I would expect that's going to trickle down into the DC Comics as well because you don't have DC films without DC Comics. And if you're going to protect the DC brand, then you need to protect the entirety of the DC brand. We haven't heard anything in this call about games, there's been a couple of mentions of games in terms of what kind of money is being spent or whatever, you know, deals to be made. But there's nothing in this call really that covers anything about games, nothing that, that covers uh, publishing or DC Comics or anything like that. Which means they're, to me anyway, they're going incrementally, step by step. Okay, what are our priorities? How do we get this fixed? Then we'll move to the next one. We'll fix that problem. Then we move to the next one and fix that problem. Remember, they got $43 billion of debt that they've got to get rid of. Earlier this year, we got a report that DC Comics had consolidated into a smaller smaller office space. They were doing the shared desk type of thing. A lot of pencils down. DC Comics is not doing as well sales-wise. And we got that data that said that the, the majority of the market in the United States right now, revenue, 70% of the market belongs to manga. And Zaslav, being a, being a numbers guy, he's going to be looking at that. He's going to be paying attention to that. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why, why, does, why does manga have such a huge share of the market? What are these independent comic book guys doing? What, what are all of these other ventures out here doing that we're not doing because we're not making money doing what we're doing? I would say that probably in the next, maybe in the next quarter or two, we'll get more information about what their plans are for DC Comics because I expect that there's going to be changes made over there as well. Because if Zavzlav's talking, basically he's saying, okay, this is a numbers game. We put the movie out in the theaters. And he's talking about Windows again. He's looking back at the way it used to be. You put it in the theaters, and then it goes away in the theaters, and then it's on streaming, and then it's on home movies, and then it's over on network. And while you find all of these different places where you can maximize your profit, where you can make money 
off of the one thing over and over and over and over again. This is something that we talk about on all, all of the, all of the how to's and the workshops on social media, right? Repurposing your content. So I make this video that's an hour, hour and a half long, and then I can take snippets of it and I can take bits and pieces of it and I can make little promos and I can pop some stuff over on Twitter and I can pop some stuff over on Instagram. I can put some stuff over on Facebook and I promote the show. Right. And I take a piece of this show and I take a piece of the H2O show and I take a piece of of Good Morning Multiverse, whatnot. And I can put together a 60 second promo and I can drop it out in all these different places. I'm repurposing the content. I'm using it over and over again for various different different methods of of promoting the channel. That's what Zaslav's talking about. You do the theatrical, you do the big the big show. And then you go small, you funnel it down and you and you put it into various different places after that and you make money doing all of it. Whereas if you make a movie that's specifically for the streaming service, then you're locked into that and you can't put it anywhere else. There are opportunities for making profit. And remember, $43 billion of debt. He's got to make that somewhere. And it, it's go big or go home time. And Zazalev doesn't strike me as a guy who's very tentative about things. And the trades hate it. All of the Hollywood hoity-toity cocktail party crowd that hate Bob Chapek also hate David Zazalev. And I am, I am 99% certain and we know that they they probably had conversations at the Allen and Company summit here a few weeks ago. But I I would feel reasonably confident that Bob Chapek and David Zaslav are having conversations, and they are having shared commiserations. My God, this Hollywood town is crazy. I bet that's what at least one of them has said, at least more than once, because. Hollywood, they don't want, they don't care about money. And, we, it, and, and, and it's funny because I've been watching Light and Magic, which is the documentary on industrial light and magic. And there's an interview with George Lucas in there. And he says, early in the day, all of these guys, Coppola, Spielberg, uh, Brian De Palma, Lucas, all these guys, they don't care about the business side of things. They don't care about the money side of things. We just want to make movies. And that's one of the fundamental flaws of Hollywood. You go to make money, Not just to make movies. It's a business. And Zaslav has a business mind. He has a business attitude. And the board of directors at the Walt Disney Company, they're all business people. And Bob Chapek is a business person. And the Hollywood people can't stand it. They don't know how to deal with it. So they write up all of these hit pieces on how terrible everything is. Trying to shake these guys loose. And I would expect in the next three months, there are going to be plenty of articles about how terrible Zaslav the Butcher is. That's going to take. That's, that's going to that's gonna gain legs. That's going to get traction. We'll see. I don't know. Right now, Warner Bros. Discovery is down. It is at $14.66 a share. It is down 16% from the previous close of 1748. <coughs> It will come back. It will bounce back, I'm sure. I, I give it, 
I give it a week. I now again, I have absolutely no knowledge whatsoever, no expertise in investments or anything like that. So this is a complete guess on my part. But I would expect the price of Warner Brothers Discovery to start coming back after things settle. The dust gets, you know, everything kind of starts to shake out and here's what's going to happen and whatnot. The next piece that's got to play, the next piece of news we need to have is what's going to happen with The Flash. Everybody is, is waiting with bated breath to see what David Zaslav's decision is going to be on, uh, on, on The Flash. Because The Flash is still scheduled to come out. He says that in the call. The Flash is coming. We are going to get that released into the theaters. Now the question is, is it going to be The Flash starring Ezra Miller? Or is it going to be The Flash starring somebody else? That's the question. And we will leave it at that and, uh, and go into the weekend ruminating and speculating and we'll see we'll see what we can see i'm sure that we will be circling back to this conversation several times uh as things roll out but yeah well uh, i just off the top of my head i expect them to replace ezra miller they'll they'll bite the bullet they will take the hit financially they will spend the money to get to to replace ezra miller it's not going to be easy but they're going to have to do it. I mean, this latest thing, we haven't even talked about this latest thing with him allegedly running a cult in Iceland. I mean, the hits just keep on coming when it comes to Ezra Miller. So, I, you know, Sci-Fi Snob says, I'd prefer an inanimate carpet rod over Ezra Miller. I would prefer a movie about Geode before I see another movie with Ezra Miller. I would, I will sit and watch a movie about Geode directed by Leslie Headland before I watch another movie with Ezra Miller in it. How's that? All right, thanks for reading your voice. Friday, we did Friday. We got Friday past us, so uh, don't forget. Uh, we do have tomorrow, Good Morning Multiverse, at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central. This is going to be our weekly wrap-up of the news headlines and of course you can connect with us on all sorts of social media <sighs> find us over on odyssey go sign up over there and uh and and connect with us on odyssey because we need the numbers we need the numbers if you want to give us money we do have a paypal account i'm a little bit irritated with paypal for what they did to eric july but we have a we have a paypal account we've got a subscribe star account i i probably should do something with it uh, there's just there's just only so much time in the day. If anybody wants to volunteer and help us with that, we'll talk. All right. We have other plans and schemes in store, so stick around, and uh, we will we will be back with the news you can use tomorrow. In the meantime, remember, the government is your enemy, and there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.